Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome to a special Thursday night of Nightlight. Um, our leading biblical scholar is returning to discuss what promises to be a fascinating conference tomorrow. You don't need to get a hotel or travel. It's a webinar. You can just sit in your jammies all day and watch an amazing lineup of speakers. Uh, Gary Wayne author of the Genesis 6 Conspiracy, is here to discuss the conference True Legends, Ancient Cataclysms, and Coming Catastrophes. Um, Gary, are you there? Uh, no. Do you want me to try and call him from the switchboard? Yes. Okay. You, you talk Unless a little you... bit about the different speakers, and I will try to call him. Okay. Sorry about that, folks. Um, let's see. So, Mark, talk about the speakers. Okay. Or the conference tomorrow has an amazing lineup of speakers. There's Steve Quayle. Russ Dizdar, Gary Wayne, L.A. Marzulli, Celeste Solom, Michael Lake, Bob Griswold, Carl Tikrib, Derek Gilbert, and Mike Adams. They have a wide assortment of topics from ancient history to um, yeah, the modern times, are there links about the destruction of these uh, Hello? civilizations? Hello? Oh, there he is. I think we have Gary. Hi, Gary. It's Mark Eddy. How are you? Barbara, did we... Did we lose Gary?
call dropped. Okay, so it, anyhow, we still need a minute to set the stage for tonight's show. Uh, hope everyone's tuned in because they this may be the only time they hear it. Uh, I think with the information that will be covered uh, tonight, uh, it's probably going to be blocked uh, before it even makes it to the archives. Oh, no, uh, please don't say that. Um, <laughs> hi, Gary Gary got his time wrong. He thought we were on his time, not our time. Uh-oh. But he's going to call in in a few minutes. So this is going to be a very exciting conference, especially on you know streaming. I really, uh, it, it's such a cool idea. It means that you know they can have an audience that's mm-hmm. from all over the world instead of just those that can make it to the to the facility. Yeah, uh, you know you can just sit sit at home. It's going to be streaming uh, what, Friday and Saturday. Uh, yeah, and they great. got ter- yeah terrific lineup of people too. Mm-hmm. Did you did were you able to see how much it costs? Because I didn't, I you know I didn't check that out. But it seems to me that it's a much more um, cost effective way to go to a conference. The only downside that I can see is that you can't personally get autographs and stuff like that. And and of course they always have great vendors at these conferences, but. Um, as far as being able to listen to the material, you got a front row seat to everything. Yeah, uh, the cost seems like a hundred dollars for the live oh, streaming, and you wow. can go to G- Genesis or Gen Six dot com. Gen Six dot com. G E N S I. Go ahead. Oh, uh, just spelling it. Uh, G e n s i x dot com, like uh, Gary's uh, the title of Gary's book, uh, the Genesis Six Conspiracy. It's like that, but you know, just shortened to Gen Six. And yeah, they. It's got, he's got a terrific array of speakers. I mean, I, I recognize some of them, but not all of them, but they all have terrific topics. And, you know, with what's going on today, cataclysms kind of fits right in with everything that's going on, you know, in the world. And I I don't think this uh, this conference has been in the works for a while. It's not something that was slapped together to just like capitalize on uh, what's, you know, the situation that's going on with the pandemic. uh, I've had this in in the works for a while and just due to, you know, the social distancing rules, uh, I think they had the conference, uh, in limbo there for a little bit, but they came up with this webinar tomorrow and 
looks uh, very informative. Um, well, you know, it's uh, funny the, because when when you when you look at these conferences, first of all, lots of times you have to drive a, a distance, you have to pay for a hotel, you have to pay for meals, you have to. I mean, there's so much other expense connected to them that to be able to, you know, do it in your sweats and sit back and just enjoy and take notes and maybe even actually record it makes so much more sense. It's it's well worth the money to be able to listen to all of these amazing people with, with all of their expertise. And, um, I, and, of course, Gary Wayne I could listen to forever because he's, He's got so much wisdom and knowledge that it's just amazing. And uh, so, you know, I always jump at a chance to have him on the show or to listen to him or to I, – I've listened to a lot of his um, YouTubes as well. He has so much information to share that um, it's like a uh, college course, you know, a hour or two-hour yeah. college course. Yeah, this – conference or uh, webinar is uh was it like eight ten uh one two three four five six seven eight nine uh ten uh lecturers who are pretty much like college professors uh I think we're uh-huh. uh, probably going to be you know, hearing a little bit about uh, each person's uh, specialty. I, I kind of have a feeling you know, we know a little bit about, or you know, hear a little bit about, um, yeah, you know, say, say the flood story. Uh, maybe uh, perspectives from different cultures, but I, I'm sure that will come up. Um, you know, if we're you know, going to look at other ancient. Catastrophic events, Santorini that might come up, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Definitely um, a big one. Yeah. Um, I, I'm wondering, Mark, if they're going to go into any of the cataclysms that were before the last ice age. I mean, you know, because there certainly were cataclysms. I mean, they they found. Ge- Geological evidence of that. So, um, uh, yeah, there could be like uh, Andrew Collins, uh, Younger Dryas asteroid uh-huh. thing that caused you know global forest fires, uh, sea levels rising after the ice age melted. Yeah, you know, one thing um, that, that Patrick Patrick was was often talking about um going back to the dinosaur age. Um apparently we had two atmospheres during that time frame and one was a lighter atmosphere so that the the larger um dinosaurs that were able to fly were able to fly and at some point something happened and we we lost the two different atmospheres that there was you know it was just one and i'm not sure what happened there but i would almost bet it was um an asteroid hit of some sort 
Well, it, you know, when Max was with us Tuesday night, you know, touched, touched on the uh, Diablo Caldera, which is there in the Gulf of Mexico, which, which saw the fatal asteroid strike that pretty much uh, caused the global extinction situation with the dinosaurs. So, you know, we touched on that uh, Tuesday. Yeah, you know, maybe one of the speakers is going to talk about that. I, uh, when Gary uh, gets here, um, you know, get, get a little bit more uh, specific. Um, I'm I'm wondering, you know, when when the the title is connection between ancient and modern cataclysms. I'm wondering if, like, the dropping of the two atom bombs was considered a cataclysm. I I, I mean, it certainly was a cataclysm, but I I don't know of. I I would think it 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 was probably very much the same um, intensity as Sodom and Gomorrah because they 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 did say that that was like a nuclear explosion. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if 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 our dropping the two the two bombs on Japan is counted in on on one of the it would be interesting to know what modern cataclysms they're talking about because because modern to me infers I don't know my lifetime or does that um, mean just after the last ice age? I don't know. It, it, you know one of the topics I wanted to bring up was looking at. You were the uh, majority of these uh, ancient cataclysms, you know, the asteroid. Uh, and there's nothing you can do about that. The volcanic eruptions, what uh, earthquakes, were uh, uh-huh. the majority of them natural disasters. Uh, you know, you have some like Sodom and Gomorrah. There's like, you know, the threat of uh, beating up the two angels and, and it's you know, just like really rude treatment. Yeah, um, but that Sodom, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you can't say was a natural disaster because that was inflicted. Well, I mean, uh, the, yeah, nat- yeah, there, there was like so, so, some of the uh, behaviors that were going on there uh, kind of drew um the wrath of the Almighty. Um, mm-hmm. So, the, you know, I, you know we'll, when Gary finishes his dinner, uh, you know, we'll get into no, that. He, he wasn't oh. set up. Um, he, oh, okay. he, he had, he just didn't have the time right. And so uh, I was going to put him right on and he said he wasn't set up yet. So he would call in in a few minutes. So he'll be here in a couple okay. of minutes. Okay, but uh, you know there are so, uh, some examples of uh, human behavior that could have, you know, if you wanted to look at it in, in a spiritual sense, um, been a punishment for uh, behaviors. Uh, but you know, uh-huh. do we in the 
in our more uh, uh, and just look at today um that really a natu- is the pandemic really a natural um uh, occurrence with the um infected food supply at a small market um no i or- think i think they've I think they've almost come down to the fact that it was released. Yeah. So or, or what's the difference between the the stuff that you know, happened at, at the end of last year with the release of this virus and ancient time? You know, I, I want to get into that discussion with Gary about uh man-made versus natural disasters, you know, put them in a biblical perspective and you get St. Thomas Aquinas saying, well, did people get, you know, the uh, government they deserve. Well, can we apply like the same thing? Is it, you know, has our behavior gotten so out of control that, you know, this pandemic's a flood-like um, you know, scenario. I, uh-huh. I I don't know. We just we just present the information. So um, let's see what else. some of these uh, speakers are very well known for their research into giants. Um, we can get some. Compare and contrast, uh, say, Steve Quayle, Russ Dizdar, Gary, and L.A. Marzulli's uh, views of giants. Um, uh, did they uh, bring a, uh, you know, the forbidden knowledge to people? And have their offspring misused it? So, oh, that's an interesting uh, point. That, yeah, so so that should be what for people who can talk about giants. And I, I know Russ uh, spoke locally. I did not attend the con. I, 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 that was how I learned about him. I I, I just. Uh, I don't know. He he was here, look, you know, out at Newark, uh, probably about four years ago. Um, he he was lecturing on giants, so it would be um, interesting to hear if, if Russ and Gary have a similar view, or they differ a little bit. If so, what points? Uh, so. Um, LA's been uh, uh, studying some of the um, practices, well, skulls, he, elongated people, skulls. Fill, uh, fill people in on who LA is because they may not know him by that name. Um, he's an author. Uh, He's a, and his full name is 
Um, I don't know. No, L A. Mar- his last name. Marzuli. Yeah. Okay. Because not everybody knows him by that name. Um, okay. Hold on a second. I think we've got Gary here. I think maybe. Hi, Gary. Is that you? It is, and so happy to be with you tonight, and uh, sorry for the technical difficulties, but glad to be here now. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Gary, we're really glad you're here, too. How how, how are you doing? Doing fine, staying uh, very, very busy, and, uh, you know, very excited for the uh, live streaming conference uh, that is going tomorrow. And all of the preparation and everything that goes into that. Kind of disappointed, though, that's not the live event that we had planned for July. But uh, this, uh, you know, in that age that we're in, uh, I think this is an excellent way of still uh, doing the show and uh, getting the uh, information out. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll even reach more people on a live stream. Yeah, that that may actually happen and uh, work in your favor with Get, getting the word out to a lot more people on uh, internet radio, but uh, um, uh, Gary, I wanted to uh, preface uh, what we're going to talk about with um, drawing the listeners' attention to. Romans 9. Um, Paul um, asks his readers to remember the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Paul's writing the second half of the um, first century and reflecting on this catastrophic event from uh, what three four thousand years earlier and it shows the uh, uh, collective unconscious like post-traumatic stress disorder uh, of uh, you know from the legacy of, of that event and you know the lessons uh to be learned um you know the same principle can be applied today with uh say flood memorials in Johnstown Pennsylvania from uh, the eight, 1880s flood or high water uh, markers on buildings in river towns. So um, is history repeating itself today? What should we be learning from these catastrophic events from the past? Uh, Maybe, you know, deep, deep past, Uh, you know, what, what are the connections, if any, uh, is the future all gloom and doom, or is there hope? So, um, you know, Barbara and I are chatting a little bit about that uh, before you, you joined us. 
Um, you know, if we look at, you know, maybe some of the examples that will be presented at, at this uh, webinar, I'm sure, you know, the flood's going to come up, Sodom, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, maybe, you know, like the uh, asteroid that killed off the dinosaur. I, I, yeah, we, we have s several examples uh, uh, to choose from, uh, you know, the destruction of Atlantis, the Younger Dryas a asteroid. Uh, were most of these e events of natural occurrences, or uh, was there something about human behavior that, uh, the volcano erupted because of what the way some king was uh, ruling his kingdom. Uh, is, is a little bit of both. Uh, you, you, what is the you know, general outlook from the other speakers? From the other speakers, I mean, they're, they've all taken sort of a, a you know a different piece as to ancient cataclysms and what does that mean for for the future so uh, i think we're going to see uh, a number of the speakers talk on uh, so many different things that are coming out of prehistory that are all connected uh, in sort of that adage that nothing is new under the sun or what was will be again and it seems to center around two kinds of catastrophes that are the main ones, and one being destruction by water and the other one being destruction by fire. So when you're yeah. mentioning, you know, catastrophes like the Great Flood um, and also in the creation stories, you have a separation of the waters above from the waters below to um, remove the chaos that was sort of existing before to sort of link in what would be talked about in terms of uh, the, the the other accounts outside the Bible and around the world. But they're all talking about uh, an event where to renew the, the earth, you have a separation of the water. And some people look at that as the creation of the earth. Um, but there seems to be throughout not only the Bible, but in other accounts around the world and other religions and other mythologies, uh, almost a cycle like that, uh, at least the polytheist mm -hmm. versions would say that these disasters happen at certain astrological uh, and astronomical alignments in the cycles of, astro uh, of uh, procession, astrological per or astronomical procession. And so, we're coming up to, uh, you know, the, the age of Aquarius, but all of the different viewpoints on this are predicting uh, a disaster by fire this time, uh, just as Second Peter does. That um, sort of connects the two and also uh, talks about a time when the water uh, was was uh, in and out of the water in Second Peter um, chapter 3, and that um, the world had perished because of that. And, of course, the flood didn't kill the whole world. And so this right. is talking about a time that's 
uh, before that is the destruction that and we're going to talk a lot about at the conference what happened between Genesis 1-1 and, and 1-2 when there was a destruction by fire, just as we're going to have destruction by fire that's reserved for the end time. And Second Peter does a good job of informing people that this isn't the flood, but there is another destruction by fire that is uh, when you have that kind of destruction of the earth that it's talking about, that's when the water collapses back in onto itself and that's what it's being talked about in second peter chapter three and then you have the renewal of the earth where you have the separation of the waters again and then you have the flood which is a separate catastrophe but it is brought on by uh seemingly either god in the bible or the gods in the polytheist account and in those a lot of accounts that's brought on by let's say you know the atlantean catastrophe you have the stars coming out of pleiades um, and three of them and so whether or not they're their actual stars or their asteroids or meteors but that's sort of is the igniting of that that flood event but it's a water event and then as you mentioned about the sodom and gomorrah one you have um destruction that's by fire, fire again yeah, and but it's limited just to Sodom. But what's interesting about that is when you're looking at end time prophecy and connecting in with Second Peter, and again that you have these repeating cycles and that there's nothing new under the sun. You have in uh, Matthew and Mark it talks about the days of of Noah it will be the you know the same type of events and happenings as what happened. Um, is going to happen for the end time for the coming of Jesus. So it's going to be like the days of Noah. So you have that flood event being wrapped in, but in Luke, you also get not only the flood, but the days of uh, Lot as well. So you can, he's connecting both fire and flood. It's going to be like the days of Noah. And that makes sense because Second Peter is talking about the destruction that's reserved for the end time by fire. But it doesn't matter, as I say, it doesn't matter what, culture that you're going to you have these destruction by fire destruction by water and they happen in certain cycles according to um the non-biblical accounts all we're told in the bible is that is, is that nothing is new under the sun and what will be will be again so it seems to have a similar view but there's a different sort of lens being put on it from from both perspectives and i think as we're looking towards the end time this destruction isn't going to be by God. It's actually going to be by the people here on the earth that are doing it to ourselves, but assisted by the fallen angels. And the destruction, I think, that happens in Genesis 1-1 to 1-2 probably is a better fit for where the angelic rebellion was. And the war that would have broken out, just as there's going to be war in heaven uh, as well uh, with the end time when the angels and the rebellious humans are fighting against the, the loyal angels of God and the loyal um, people of God, um, that this is all going to sort of happen again. And that's why you have this connection that there's nothing new that, that that's under the sun. And when you start to pull in, let's say, accounts out of the Upanishads or the Vedas or the uh, uh, various uh, uh, Mahabharata uh, writings and there's there there are others you have this incredible destruction that happens with the war and the gods sounds very much like what's going to be going on in the end time with these very very powerful weapons i think that we're still 
sort of getting ourselves up to speed on, but it's destruction by nuclear type weapons and destruction by mm-hmm. fire. And although we have a dating that comes out of a secular understanding that the Vedas might only go back to 2000 BC, they actually believe it goes way older than that. So this could very well be, again, another parallel account of that angelic or fallen angel and or God war that happened that destroyed the earth that, that we're going to be talking about in detail that happened in Genesis 1, 1 to 1, 2 at the conference. And so the other speakers, when they're looking at that, they're just they're they're taking different sort of um, aspects of the end time prophecy and these disasters that have happened in the past. Yeah, well, uh, Gary, um, you 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 just mentioned the giants, and might as well give you. you Yeah, you're the author of the Genesis. Six conspiracy, and that can be found on Amazon. And people can also go to your website, uh, Genesis6Conspiracy.com, and that's the six is the number six, not uh, spelled out. Anyhow, uh, yeah, your book, the Genesis Six Conspiracy, uh, does. Focus on uh, giants and uh, the Nephilim. Um, you know the the um, nefarious legacy that they left. Um, L. A. Marzulli is going uh, to be uh, speaking there. He's been doing some work with uh, uh, some of these. Um, elongated skulls and he's been looking into that he's been up to America's Stonehenge uh, recently doing some filming there Um, does LA have a similar belief that you do that um, some of these uh, humanoid creatures that have been on Earth uh, may be uh, from like off planet, you know, like say if they, you know, were cast out of heaven, like it says in you know, a couple of different places in the Bible. Uh, okay, they, and they uh, landed on Mount Hermon. Okay, uh, that's off. I'd say that's off planet. Does L.A. Hold a similar view. Um, you know, what what's going on there? Uh, do, you, do you have a little difference of opinions? It's actually amazing. You know, I, I did not research um, LA's research or anybody else's in the business, and you know, before I wrote my book. So as I started to meet some people, and I've worked with LA on on a couple of his projects, that I was very very. Um, interested to learn whether or not what I was uh, writing about in publishing, how does that match up to with what some of the more established researchers had out there. And, and, and it shouldn't come as, you know, too much of a surprise that there, you know, there are uh, like 
more consistencies than inconsistencies. And so we line up actually mm-hmm. very, very well. So from LA's perspective, uh, he, he comes at it from a Christian perspective and he indeed believes that it was the fallen angels, uh, the sons of God, as they're recorded in Genesis six, that went to Mount Hermon as first Enoch mm-hmm. talks about, um, and procreated with human females to create the, the original Nephilim. So we're very much in line on that. And uh, it was interesting, you know, with his research on those elongated skulls and the, and the red uh, hair uh, that they have and, you know, matched up very well with the research that I did in terms of what the descriptions of the Nephilim before the, the flood looked like, you know, not, in, you know, of course, inclusive of the elongated skull. But according to Kishamaya and uh, North American uh, First Nations and Mediterranean, Atlantean, and, and other accounts, including Egyptian, that the Atlanteans, who uh, a lot of the post-Diluvian settlement is uh, settle, settlement is uh, attributed to uh, Atlanteans. Um, they had blonde hair and blue eyes, and the other variety was red hair and hazel eyes, both with those elongated skulls, and were known, you know, as the uh, serpentine people or the white snake clan, as the Hopi would call them, uh, virtually the same types of descriptions. And so, you know, when L.A. is doing that research on the, on, on the red-headed skulls or he's doing the serpent mounds, it's amazing how all the details, no matter who's researching it and what angle they're coming at it from, they come to very, very similar conclusions. And even, you know, the more uh, non uh, Christian aspect, they may not look at the creation of these giants as being fallen angels, but they'll look at them as being very, very advanced beings who created these Nephilim. So, I mean, you have, you know, a very similar understanding seemingly from almost all aspects as to what went on in prehistory. It's just defined a little bit differently from whatever lens that they're coming at it from. Yeah, uh, De- Dennis was j- just very impressed with um, LA's uh, thoroughness, professionalism when he was up there, you know, filming and documenting um, this pro- uh, project. So I, was, I haven't seen it yet. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but uh, yeah, uh, just. His work does stand out among uh, giantologists. Um, so, and, and anyhow, uh, you know, Russ Dizdar, I'm a little bit familiar with him. He uh, spoke. Uh, a couple hours from me uh, in Newark, Ohio, uh, maybe about four years ago, four or five years ago, and he was covering giants at at that at that conference. Um, is Russ yeah, uh, uh, ha- holding similar? Ideas about giants, or is uh, he, he a little different? It, it sounds like the topic of his uh, 
uh, speech is going to be a little uh, you know, not focusing uh, specifically on giants, but uh, he seems like he's uh, a, a a really good researcher as well. I know so, yeah. so and I, uh, one of my friends did go out to that conference, and, I, and he was like, "Oh, you know, I was impressed with Russ." And you know, you know, we're sitting there. Uh, Charlie and I were sitting at the post office talking about that. Yeah, Russ is uh, you know a, a legend in his in his own right, and he is so deep from what I uh, uh, know of him and and seen of him. Uh, in terms of his knowledge of not only what's what's in the Bible, but his ability to get into um, and understand and help people who are caught up in the evil side of the things that go out there. And he delivers a lot of people um, and gets right into that sort of spiritual war. And so his his view again comes, you know, you know, from a scriptural perspective. And he is mm-hmm. he's he's in sync in terms of of the you know this uh, what most people are in terms of uh the giants and when and when they uh uh you know first were created and then again how they show up again after the floods so again no real surprise there and he's focusing on um more the prophetic end in terms of you know the unimaginable catastrophes that are coming in 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 the end times so he's going to be very very narrowly focused on what he's talking about but with a level of detail that I think is going to, you know, grab a, a lot of people's attention. If I, if uh, my expectations in terms of what Russ is going to be doing. So, um, but yeah, he is uh, he's an absolute uh, expert on uh, scripture and then so many other things that connects back into it. Okay, and it's. Sounds like you know, there's probably going to be a good bit of a biblical perspective um, pre- presented, but uh, your uh, the Genesis six conspiracy does incorporate uh, other ancient. Uh, Texts, uh, you get the Quran, so, uh, several different, uh, well, multiple ancient Egyptian uh, sacred texts. Um, yeah, you, you know, you are drawing from a number of different sources from um, in antiquity. Um, do do a lot of these uh a- ancient texts uh ha- have about the same uh, arrive at the same conclusions about uh, any of these catastrophes uh, man's sinful nature that could bring about these uh disasters well, when, when we look at the main disasters, I would say, yes, you know, when you have something like when we were talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, you don't get much of that, you know, outside of uh, the Quran or outside of, you know, 
uh, Jewish traditions and in the Old Testament. That's more of a, you know, uh, a monotheist uh, perspective and in, in, in story. But when you're talking about ancient destructions and the flood, you get uh, what I would call parallel accounts or seen through a different lens talking about the same sort of events. And it doesn't matter where you go because you have this flood story that is in over 500 cultures all around the world and on all continents. And in almost not all of them, but almost all of them, uh, you have not only the humans that are going bad, but you have these giants that are created and they're created by the gods and they're the cause of the flood. They start off as being uh, people that are, uh, you know, demigods and of a good nature in those accounts. And, but they, their human nature tends to get the better of them as the, as the narratives go, and they start to turn to evil and start to war and start to, to, to treat humans badly, and the gods get together and bring about the destruction of uh, this world dominated by the giants. And then there's a reboot in terms of civilization afterwards, uh, generally through a seven sages that are teachers to the survivors of the people in various continents, but again, all running along the sort of same line. So you have a very sort of common thread in terms of a flood and a survival story, and you have the uh, the giants, and then you have all of these enormous and massive construction of temples and um, uh-huh. religious sites all around the world, which again is, is a common denominator. So you have all of these different kinds of common denominators that are going on, but it's just a matter of, are they looking at it through a polytheist lens or a monotheist lens? Oh, interesting. And, or earlier in, in, in the, um, discussion uh, you're talking about these cataclysmic events are you know, cyclical you know, there, there's also uh, I guess we can get, get into that in just a little bit but it yeah, there's also a timeline. It seems like there's a timeline, at least presented in the Book of Revelation, about the, the order that these events are going to happen. Uh, yeah, do you see that pattern emerging now with? Uh, you know, with this pandemic, you know, this could be uh, something moving us a little rapidly uh, toward, towards that. And, and you know, uh, so are, are you seeing some kind of um, events falling in place in the right sequence? For you know this end end of the world, new New Jerusalem descending. I do, I do, and I would also say that it lines up with what 
you know, other religions are looking for as well. Now, again, they're going to have a different outcome and a, a little bit different perspective. And I'll just preface that by the big scare that we had for 2012. And with, uh, you know, celestial procession, we had moved into that new age. And that was supposed to be the, you know, uh, in December of that year, I think the December 23rd, that Earth was going to be destroyed by fire. The problem with that is that even though in this new age that we moved in, according to celestial procession, those ages are 2,360 years. So it wasn't going to happen on the first day of that age. And no matter what your belief on it, on it would be. So uh, it's a, it's a long period of time from a biblical perspective. We don't have those, uh, celestial procession or astrological things that, that, that are looked at. But what we are told to look at are certain signs for the end time. And again, you know, Matthew 24, Mark 13, and combined with Luke 17 and 21, I mean, they give you the snapshot. And so one of the things I like to do, which is uh, I, I, was, I was kind of surprised to learn that, you know, there's so many different approaches to, to end time prophecy and there's this heavy duty mystery and things like that. And it's, I like to simplify, simplify things. And my approach is, is really quite simple. When I look at, I like to use all of the different prophecies and they all got to sync together. But the most important thing, and there's a few other rules I have, but the most important one is I, I place all prophecy around what Jesus said, not vice versa. So I don't apologize for what Jesus said. I will place all prophecy around what he said, and he gives us the chronology of events and the major signs. We just need to put the other prophecy around it, and things start to make some sense. So when I look at what he's talking about in Matthew 24, uh, he talks about as you get uh, past most of the signs and just before the uh, the days of Noah passage that we, that we talked about a few minutes ago, he talks about the fig tree generation, that um, that generation will not pass away until all the things that he has predicted would come to pass. So it's for a specific generation and all of those things need to be in place and going on. And we need to sort of look at say, okay, so what, what does the fig tree generation mean? And for me, it is uh, the generation that uh, the, the allegory that's applied to a specific nation, uh, which is the fig tree nation, is the southern kingdom of Israel, Judah, and, and the tribes associated with Judah, and the visible Jewish people that we have today, that they need to be in the covenant land for the end time prophecies. And that just as Jesus destroyed the fig tree, and uh, he also says that, you know, the kingdom is going to be passed on, you know, and on a temporary basis because of rejecting their Messiah. But when you see that fig tree bloom again, meaning Judah is back in the land, then that's the fig tree generation that he's referring to. But it's more than just being in the land. They have to have control of Jerusalem because almost all prophecy centers around Jerusalem. So they need to be not only in the land, but in Jerusalem. So I would look at a 1967 date if we're indeed in the fig tree generation. And then we have a choice of how long is a generation? Is it according to the Psalms uh, 70 years or Genesis 6-3? Is it 120 years? If it's 70 years, mm -hmm. then we're in a window that would suggest by 2037, if it's 120 years, it wouldn't be 
you know, towards the end of the the uh, the 21st century. And so we need to be careful not to get out over our skis on. So when I look at then the events that we're seeing like today with the coronavirus, well, that would obviously, you know, fit into pandemics and pestilence, which is a very, very important feature of some of the end time signs. And, you know, we see like when the four horsemen of the apocalypse ride out, you know, not only mm-hmm. do you have conquering and then war, but you have famine and you have earthquakes and and uh, and disease, and they're all sort of interconnected. But that would indicate that we're moving right into sort of the last seven years, and not everything is in place yet. We don't have a world government in place. We don't have uh, universal religion in place, and we don't have the people of Judah um, being permitted to do their daily sacrifices on a wing or an extremity at the temple yet. So we're not there yet. We're not, as Daniel 9.27 talks about, those last seven years at the end of time, the end of desolations. Where we are, though, is where I think Jesus talks about in the birth pangs, in birth pangs or uh, the coming of sorrows. And uh, you can get uh, that divine defined as an allegory in Isaiah 13 and Hosea 13 and a few other chapters about what the birth pangs are. And what it basically means is that these signs are going to come like birth pangs. So they come with greater intensity and more often the closer you get to the end time. And then once you get into the end time, you get a clear understanding of of that intensity because with the seal judgments and and the four horsemen, you have 25% of the earth being destroyed through, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about the calamities in a second. And then in the trumpets, as you get towards the midpoint of the last seven years, you get 33%. And with the wrath pools, you get 100% except that Jesus steps in to prevent everybody from being killed. Otherwise, everybody would be. So in the birth pang portion of it, as you look at that in Matthew 24, verses 7 and 8, as I recall, uh, you have uh, earthquakes, you have uh, pestilence or pandemics, you have uh, war, and you have famine. And they, and if you look at those, they all kind of work together. That you, if you have a huge earthquakes getting stronger, huge natural disasters, you probably are going to get, you know, some disease and some famine going on. And certainly, if you have lots of wars going on, you're going to have those things, just like we had, you know, the uh, Spanish flu at the end of World War One. That is, you know, <laughs> the only thing that we have uh, to compare what coronavirus is doing today. So I think the coronavirus is part of that pestilence, part of the birth pangs, part of the fig tree generation, but it is very light so far in terms of the scale and the uh, size of it. And I would be expecting more pandemics to come along as we get closer to the last seven years. But they're also going to have to be working alongside of the earthquakes getting stronger in intensity. And I think... There's a lot of data that we're getting stronger earthquakes as we go. Um, We haven't seen a lot of famines lately, and we haven't seen a lot of significant war. So we need those things all sort of working together and happening as we move towards uh, the end time. And then once you get all of those working together, then there's going to be a period of time where you're going to have false prophets that come about predicting uh, 
post-apocalyptic disasters, and we're starting to see that in the media. But I'm talking when I'm talking about the false prophets. These are going to be literal false prophets that are going to be saying people don't convert to this end-time religion uh, or the true religion, as they're going to call it. Then you're going to be destroyed from the face of the earth. So they're going to scare people into this religion that's going to sponsor the world government, that's going to permit the sacrifice on a wing of a temple. So the short answer to your question to sort of sum it up is I think this is uh, sort of the first volley of those birth pangs, and we'll have to wait and see because, again, my premise is Jerusalem as being the fig tree generation starting, and that would put us in the birth pangs. And then as you get uh, more of the signs that Jesus is talking about that includes these false prop- prophets and tribulations and disasters and wars, and to the midpoint where you have the abomination, uh, where the trumpets are going to be um, done uh, or, or brought out. In, and I think that's going to be the war of Revelation 9 with the 200 million man war that I think is like a counterfeit Armageddon that's used for deception by Antichrist. Um, and you're going to see these things ramp up, but all, but as I say, working together. And so we don't have that yet. We don't have world government. We don't have the universal religion. And I think what is going to happen is that these birth pangs come along and they enable the globalists to put more things together so that they will, that the people will be uh, scared and uh, hoping that the globalists are the answer to the problems that are befalling the world. Okay, so it, we have some time to evaluate what's going on, if, if we're even told the truth by the media, except for what we do here at Nightlight. But there is so much misinformation out there, but it does seem like Facebook might actually be more reliable than the mainstream media. Yeah, that's where you see that Dr. Fauci's statements from a conference in what, 2016 or 2017, where he talks about, well, the next administration is going to have have to deal with this surprise uh, pandemic. Uh, Did you hear that? No, I haven't heard that. Did he say that a few years ago, or is he predicting it for another one? Oh, no, no. He said it in like 2017. It was like uh, right before, uh, and it, you know, you're seeing things like that showing up on Facebook. I, you know, it looks like he said it. I don't know if it's like Photoshop, but you know, yeah. you, you don't know what to believe. It is it, you know, if you look at, um, you know. The book of oh, I, I agree Revelation. No, it it, it 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 just seems like you know with the uh, 
you know, three different beasts and and it's like they all perform miracle and it's like all it, it, it's like a carnival it, it, it's all these like uh this magic show uh going on um yeah, I I really have to wonder uh, about the you know w- what people keep talking about. You know, just like as soon as uh, you know, the virus hit uh, Washington State, uh, uh, hey, we you know, we need to start inventing these uh, va- vaccines. It's like they, they already knew. Uh, okay, this is uh, the route we have to take. Everything just seemed uh, pre-planned. And are these miracle cures really um, similar to the uh, uh, what like the second beast uh, is going to do to fool the people? Interesting uh, thought, you know. First of all, I think that to pull off what's going to have to uh, be done to deceive people, you're going to have to have a complicit media that's driving a narrative, and I think we're getting very, very close to that. Um, uh, I would say uh, they're in lockstep in terms of driving propaganda and not news. So you're going to get a narrative that's driven continually, and I think that's going to be in support. And it's in support of the whole sort of globalist idea and how do you transcend borders to get people to accept the new world order as they would like to bring on. And one of the things that, you know, you can do, uh, you know, other than the environment, which which they use and and scare people in the same sort of way with the same sort of models that are skewed that are never accurate. uh, You know, again, I I would encourage people to look for the commonalities in terms of the tactics. And this is another one of those... scare tactics and it's it's a contrived mm-hmm. catastrophe in the sense of this and i'm not saying that it's a created virus but what you have is these labs and again wuhan has these labs it's just that there's you know there's labs around the world that they're collecting and working with these uh viruses and uh doing all sorts of different things and it doesn't take much to have one of those get out of hand, whether it's on purpose or not, just as what seemingly has happened in Wuhan, there's a, it's either set into the public or somebody is contaminated while working on these very dangerous viruses and that they already know all about them. So it doesn't take them long to figure out what the, you know, the, the makeup of it is so that they can start developing vaccines and things like that. But the question gets to be is, is why, you know, why do they have to be collecting all of these different viruses and experimenting on them? Uh, I suppose, you know, they're going to make the argument while well, we're just looking for the cures. Well, I, I would just say just leave them alone and don't, you know, take the chance of, of letting them get spread out. It seems like the technology is being done to present the problem and then present the solution. Now, again, I have no evidence to suggest that they did it on purpose or they developed a hybrid one on purpose. But what we do know is it got out. And, 
it seems to be along the same kind of viruses that are getting out, whether or not it's SARS or whatever, that, you know, you can't ever really catch up on the vaccines uh, or the medication because it's, it's continually changing and mutating, which again drives into mm-hmm. that oligarch, oligarchical pharmaceutical aspect of it in terms of, um, you know, getting people hooked on all of these uh, different drugs or even worse, taking that to another level of, uh, you know, manipulating DNA possibly down the road for vaccines or introducing implant chips with bots that's going to deliver all of these magic cures and give you this sort of immortality as you start to set up, you know, the beast system. And again, I look for things that are common common denominators. And I know there was a rumor around and I was shocked to hear that uh, when I was listening to uh, Governor Cuomo one morning he called the coronavirus the beast he said it at least four times in that uh, day, one of his daily briefings and again I think this is part of that sort of beast system that is is sort of rising but maybe not in the way that people are getting too far out over their skis and saying, well, you know, it's going to be the vaccines that are going to bring in the B system. I think it's part of that whole medical uh, part of it that's going to merge with the technological aspect of, of, of chip and bot technology and AI technology and quantum mechanics that's going to um, be delivered, as they talked about in Davos, I think two years ago, maybe three years ago now, that they want to deliver this chip system with the medical uh, bots and that to deliver good health to people and people are going to line up for it because they want to live longer and they don't want to be killed by diseases. So it's like they're bringing it together into that system. So all we're seeing with the coronavirus and all these different aspects of technology that are out there are sort of the different lanes of that B system that still has yet to come together. But it's coming together more and more um, year after year. And I don't think it's long before it converges. Okay. And at some point, uh, it has to warm up and the, you know, commercials on TV talk about, you know, they already have this solution to clean your office uh, before we reopen and, and get all the little catchy slogans. And, and they use the ultraviolet light, you know, there is you know, hope that the sun will kill this virus. Um, Hopefully that uh, that we are uh, quickly uh, approaching a, a, a safe period when we can take a minute to just stop and think about what we're doing instead of uh, reacting. Uh, but as you know, we get to the you know new, new normal. Uh, topic is 
unnatural lifestyle, j- just m- more evidence that the the people behind uh, what is going on today are, are really uh, uh, part of a um, nefarious group. I mean, it's, you know, like they're asking us to just uh, line up for the vaccines. Um, eat, you know, they really don't even talk about e- eating new, uh, good nutritional foods anymore, or just pump you full of pills, or just uh, well. keep. Keep, keep, you know, six feet away. You know, just have no human contact. Well, that's how you build up your immunity is uh, interacting with people. It, it just seems like a phony world we're moving into. Well, I would say that you know, pharmacasia, uh, which is uh, the Greek word that uh, sorcery derives out of for the the New Testament in not every application, but a lot of them, and particularly in Revelations, um, you you know, has a relationship here. So, I mean, when we're being warned about sorcery in Revelations, and we understand that that word goes back to pharmacasia, and that's the Greek word for, you know, pharmaceuticals, and we're seeing a scenario where, it seems to be a planned sort of agenda to over-medicate people uh, on every level, whether it's prescription drugs or um, other drugs or now with vaccines. And I think, uh, you know, when you hear people talking about uh, that everybody's going to have to have a vaccine for everything and you're going to have to have this card or papers or whatever that, you know, proves that you're immune down the road and they're actually talking about that Orwellian type of state that, uh, mm-hmm. I think that makes the whole sorcery pharmacasia thing come real that uh, this is going to be part of the signs of the end time. And I think it helps maybe control or dumb down the population to a certain degree if they can bring this to fruition and and, and uh, fully implement. And I think that uh, it is a significant sign that, uh, that we're approaching the you know the end time or and are already in the fig tree generation so i i take what uh they're trying to do with forced vaccinations and i i have vaccinations i don't have nothing against becoming immune but when you get absolute force control over that and we don't we probably won't have proper oversight on it so that they can manipulate it to whatever they want it to do down the road it allows them to change your dna it allows them to uh, uh dumb you down it allows them to prepare you for the deceptions that they're going to be bringing about and that's just not something that that you know i'm comfortable with in in giving uh, these people who typically aren't elected that are implementing this, although they get the uh, the authorization from our elected governments in the West, um, this kind of power to implement that and create this Orwellian state. 
And uh, it's, it's, it's very, very troubling that uh, everything is being talked about in those so not cryptic, but apocalyptic nature in terms of if you don't do this, then you're going to be isolated and ostracized from society. You won't be able to be educated. You won't be able to go out and meet people in public. And all of a sudden you start to think, well, when all of this starts to merge with the other aspects of the B system and you have to take this chip um, to buy or sell uh, and you know, swear loyalty to the, the rulers of the earth, in this case, Antichrist, all of a sudden, that's not such a far leap from what they're really talking about now, because all they have to do is converge your credit card, your, your medical requirements, and, uh, you know, a few other pieces of information, and they've got all of that in one chip, and that they can easily put in on, on your forehead or on your hand, and Typically, you know, when you're talking about the credit card companies and they've been trying to introduce the chip for a year into their credit card and uh, found a lot of resistance initially, although that resistance is now not resisted at all. It's just part of using the credit card. Uh, they have said the only way that you can make that secure is putting an implant in and the best place efficiency and security wise is in your forehead or in your right hand. That's not a coincidence. Okay, so that's uh, get, getting back to the where, where people talk about these barcodes in, uh, in order for you to uh, live with, with the um, you know mark of the uh, beast in the world is you, know, you have to get these uh, like barcodes. Uh, like tattooed on you, or you know, however that would be done, but it 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 is in the Book of Revelation as well. It is, and uh, you know, on the barcodes, there's three bars that don't have a number, and there's either in and there's two, you know a couple different kinds of barcodes. One has three sets of numbers, or one has one set of numbers, and one has two sets of numbers. But each of them have three parallel bars that uh, out of the different sets uh, are. Uh, the barcode for six. So you get a 666 on all of the barcodes. And so a lot of people flag that quite early on. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's not the final uh, mark of the beast. Uh, It is part of the mark of the beast. It was part of the initial sort of genesis to it. But you need to combine AI into it and the quantum uh, computing in this sort of connection into uh, sort of like, a, you know, to use a Star Trek analogy, a Borg type of system, right? So that everybody's interconnected and, and has access to all the different knowledge and, and the different knowledge that can be returned back to them. And particularly as we're talking about, as it relates to the bots and the medical uh, advantages to, to being able to do that. So we don't know exactly what that mark will be in that system, but we know it's going to be technological and it's going to be a mark. And uh, they, you know, when they have these chips that are going in right now, they're using the same type of coding. So 
they're already there to implant in some sort of chip, and the chips keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And who knows? It may not even be a chip that is the actual implant. It could be something that's biological by the time it develops. But what we do know is directionally where it ends up at. So as everybody's uh, flagging it, we just need to take a, cert- take a step back and say, hey, it's not the final aspect. Um, and we won't know what that final aspect of it's going to be until it actually comes down. Take the mark or you're going to lose your head. And it's going to be as, as, as simple as that. So we're not there yet. Um, but again, we see the signs and the things coming together that make the book of Revelation and all end time prophecy throughout the Bible seem more and more likely to happen in our generation or not that far thereafter, um, because things are starting to line up. And we also have a, you know, a, a geopolitical scenario that's getting very close to being lined up for what it needs to be like for the, those 10 nations, uh, nation state empires, where you have a, let's say, a trading block or a group of nations or um, that are coming together to be this, uh, this world government, where these groups of nations where they have the world separated into 10 will send a representative or elect a representative or will be a bloodline representative that represent uh, the 10 kings of the end-time world government. Okay, Gary, you were just mentioning that um, as we move closer to the uh, – End times, like you know, one of the final stages you know, is you know is going to in, uh, incorporate the AI. And I'm sure one of the, like Mike Adams, one of the speakers at at the conference, um, and his is going to get into uh, something like that with his. Uh, you know, decades of um, you know, medical uh, reporting and uh, healthy uh, lifestyle uh, li- living, and but he's also going to be co- covering 5G. Yeah, adding a little bit of more of the evidence of that AI component. Uh, do, do you know uh, a little bit about what Mike's going to be covering? Uh, no, I don't know what he's going to be covering off on that, that aspect. But what I do think it's going to be, it's going to be related to the other topics that he has that's associated with it. So uh, I wouldn't expect that they're going to be just sort of separate discussions. I think he's going to link them. We'll have to wait and see what he's going to present. But he's talking about depopulation talking about diseases, vaccines, and 5G. So I would expect that he's going to bring all of that together in terms of how they're going to get to that uh, planned depopulation. So you probably even bring in, when you're talking about planned depopulation, the Georgia Guidestones, which is thought to be Rosicrucian propaganda that uh, only wants to have 500 million people on the earth, right? And uh, that's the type of 
depopulation through whether it's wars or it's disease or culling or whatever they want to do and how they're going to get there. And that world is not going to be designed for mundane humans. They're going to have to have that spark of the divine, that thousand points of light that the Bushes like to talk about, that they want to unite in a world government and universal religion. So it's going to, you're going to have to have a real blood or you're going to have to have gene of ISIS. You're going to have to be a descendant of the Rephaim and the Nephilim to be picked to be in this world that's only going to have 500 million people at, at, at its maximum point. So that's what they're going to be trying to get to. And if that for, for them, I think that if, you know, to, to bring about the end time, uh, I think they don't have a problem in depopulating the average human. Okay, and Gary, you just mentioned some of the uh, elite families um, in your book. You trace, you you trace all the House of Stuart and King Arthur's. Lineage, you know, all all these um, families have have common ancestors, as you know, Nephilim. Um, So, you know, what is this globalist mindset? You you do talk about. uh say the theosophists uh, and you know your answer uh, could be a, a interesting contrast for uh monday show but you know what are these people thinking uh, you know what has influenced uh their outlooks to be uh, pro uh, depopulation. They want the world for themselves, for their families, for their bloodlines, uh, for their what they would say their people. You know, as we talked about, they take they track their genealogies uh, into prehistory, and they have their genealogies that go all the way back to the Rephaim and the Nephilim, which were produced by the fallen angels and you know with procreating with human females that we talked about in Genesis 6 earlier and these are the people that they want to have for this new age that they want to bring about this new Atlantis which also had 10 kings in it and was thought about as the golden age and the uh, helm of world government and uh, you know, if people want to uh, get a good idea as to what they're uh, going to try and base this on, I you know, advise people to read Plato and Critias and Timaeus and get familiar with uh, with Atlantis because that's what you know the Rosicrucian uh, Francis Bacon was talking about in his book, The New Atlantis. That is his vision for this one-world religion and government that works together in harmony with science and in this whole new age that. Um, is uh, 
what they're trying to bring about. And it, again, it's not a coincidence that they want to bring about the new Atlantis. That's the allegorical period that they want to have as, as this new age. And uh, it's the same number that the Club of Rome that reports into the Rosicrucians and the Club of 300, depending on which level of the Club of Rome you're talking about. And the Club of Rome divided the world into 10 groups of nations. And, you know, that's the same number that's in Daniel 2 uh, for the, and Daniel 7 and Revelation 13 and 17, where you have this end time world government that's made up of 10 kings, 10 toes, 10 horns, depending on which of those prophecies that you're talking about, but they're all talking about the same number that Antichrist comes out of at the midpoint of the last seven years to establish his new age and present himself as as the Messiah. Um, in this case, he's the false Messiah, but he's going to make the case that he is the uh, he's the true Messiah. And so this is the world that they're trying to bring about, and they want this world to come about so that they can bring back uh, their immortality that these Raphaim, or let's say the Nephilim had in their original creation before the flood, before their life was limited uh, to 120 years, uh, as uh, dictated in uh, Genesis 6-3. And so they're trying to recreate that new golden age for their descendants and where they can reach that level of godhood again. And of course, for godhood, you need two key pillars that they're working feverishly to, to bring about. They need the ability to have immortality. So either they're going to have to do something medically so that you can live as a physical God forever in theory, or they're going to have to create clone bodies, or they're going to have to do something that is going to permit that. Um, some of the religions will say that they're going to vibrate um, into Godhood, which is a possibility that they, they might believe as well. And they also have to have the second pillar, which is the knowledge. And so the knowledge that they need to have is heavily connected to AI and the quantum computing that I was referencing. And they're searching through some of these centers of science around the world. CERN would be the classic one. And they're marrying up AI and quantum computing. Some people think to you know, get into the abyss to let uh, the fallen angels who are imprisoned and the demons, the worst of them, if they went in there, uh, out uh, before their ordained time in, in Revelation 9. But the other thing I think they're looking for when they're matching it up with AI and quantum computics, quantum mechanics, I think they're looking for what they call um, the Atma particle which is an invisible particle that merges with other particles and contains all of the knowledge of the universe, and it sends that knowledge through quantum entanglement. And so you need that merging of AI and quantum compa- uh, mechanics to, to find this. And it's interesting that you know, the pioneers of quantum computing said, if you want to understand quantum mechanics, you have to understand the up and shads where the atma particle is talked about. And this seems to be what they're trying to, you know, as one of the things that they're doing with projects like CERN are doing is trying to find that access to the knowledge of the universe that will be available through this implant uh, that also will offer longer life. 
And so I think that's the godhood aspect that they're that they're going to going to be looking for. And they don't want to have mundane humans who don't have those bloodlines or the gene of Isis or the spark of the divine, thousand points of light, um, to have access to that. So they're only looking for their descendants to to live in that new world. And they're looking at that point in time once they develop this technology and are going to partner with the fallen angels, just as we talked about earlier with the war in heaven. So in Revelation 12, you have war in heaven. And after that, all of those angels are cast down to the earth, which happens at the midpoint of the last seven years, just when Antichrist is rising to power. And Antichrist is part of this war because in Daniel 8, he actually tries to raise his throne to heaven and brings down some of the starry host or the the loyal angels and tramples on them. So they're actually going to make a case that they can defeat the God of the Bible, which they're going to try and do. And the fallen angels know that they can't win. They they know God intimately, but humans and their, their... Nephilim and Rephaim offspring are deceived that they can actually defeat God. And they want that rendezvous with destiny so that they can have their own world. They can have their own realm away from God and away from God's laws, as opposed to still being under the oversight of God today, because Satan is still the prince of this world, the God of this world, but he can only do what he's permitted to do. And he wants to be like God in his own realm, Mm -hmm. away from God ruling over that realm. And I think that's what they're, what they're ultimately trying to do. Yeah. um, Gary, uh, chapter 73 of your book is really interesting. Uh, Does go, go into, you know, the, talk about the globalist pantheism was reinvented as theosophy and part of that belief system was uh, you know you say a bridge between science and religion yeah I think we ha- have that today I think maybe some of these um doctors um, you know, m- might uh, see themselves as gods um, you know could some of these testing um, you know, the uh, nose swabs uh, you know could, could that be a way to identify you know, the bloodlines that uh, you you've been talking about, uh, but yeah, there's a, a mindset of some of these uh, 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 behind the scenes groups like the Theosophy and uh, Illuminati, uh, Rex uh, Deus. Uh, you, you, you say that you know, uh, Rex Deus's uh, two greatest achievements were Darwinism and Marxism. 
and in including the overpopulation deceptions. So, uh, so should we be looking at some of these uh, uh, scientists and politicians' actions to see if, if they are one of them? Are they testing us to see if you know we're part of the you know? acceptable bloodline if if not or are we going to be part of the uh uh six billion people who who are to be eliminated because we're not worthy I'm not sure exactly yeah. what my question is just kind of like rambling about a bunch of things yeah there's 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 a lot in there to uh unpack for for sure so um, you know, when we look at uh, what I would call global Gnosticism, uh, which is that universal religion that they that they that they want to bring about, mm-hmm. it's a it's a unification of the old ancient religion that you know has its various vernacular looks around the world and so they want to bring back that ancient religion that was worshiping the gods of the ancient world and that religion was you know set directly opposed to the the god and the way the people of the descendants of seth of of the adamite line as opposed to cain which would have been the, the polytheist line uh, in terms of the worship after Cain rebelled and killed Abel. And so you have uh, this ancient religion that, that they're trying to, to reestablish worldwide and honor the pantheon of gods. And that pantheon, of, uh, that religion right from the ancient times, um, and just as we see in modern times, and particularly with the recreation of the royal society, where you have sort of this... Uh, sort of mythos that it it is an objective uh, non-religiously influenced uh, organization except that it's you know it's created by freemasons and, and rosicrucians who are polytheists and they have been doing the same agenda and, and goals as what was done by Enoch son of Cain and his descendants right through you know Lamech and Tubal Cain and Nama and Jubal and Jubal and they were trying to lead people away from God, the God of the Bible. They were trying not to give God credit for anything. They were trying to degrade God at every aspect and not give him credit for anything. And they created all of these monuments and temples and pyramids and things to honor their pantheon of gods. This is everything that the Royal Society is the modern version of of science uh, and how and their influence over education has operated ever since doing the same thing so when they introduce doctrines like evolution that darwin introduced they know that that's not true but what it does do is it leads people away from god and makes them malleable for how they want to manipulate people but they know that you know evolution is not true uh, it's just used to lead people away from God. And 
communism and socialism and national socialism is, is social masonry. And they created that as well. And typically it, it will have two things going for it. In communism, you don't have any religion. The state is the religion. So it leads people away from God. And in national socialism, just as you have the Rice Church that was uh, created uh, in 1933 by, by Hitler, you have a polytheist religion. So again, everything about those belief systems that I had mentioned about as their creations um, has done a lot to move their agenda along to convince people that the Bible is a myth and it's a fairy tale and um, it's not to be believed and it's just setting people up for the deceptions that, that, that are going to be coming. And so they've been working behind the scenes. It's not a secular vacuum and that's why you can't have anything um, come into science that will have anything to do with creationism or anything that has any akin to a doctrine out of a Bible, which is absolutely anti-science when you're supposed to consider all aspects, research all aspects, and consider all aspects, and then make your conclusions. To have a narrowed focus as to what you're going to research and what they're going to teach or you don't get funded, that's not science. That is being dictated by the wizards behind the curtain. And so those religions and things are being utilized to bring about the globalist agenda, which report to the secret societies, which are ruled over by the bloodlines, uh, to make things simple that way. You're also alluding to things like swabs and things like that in terms of trying to track down people and establish what their lineage might be in terms of are these mm -hmm. the people that we want to have in the new age and i think that's exactly what they're trying to do i think things like um you know blood banks and blood types being registered helps them a lot i think dna helps them significantly and i think they collect all points of data because Again, they're only looking for the more pure aspects and not the really, really diluted ones that are that they want to rule over this world. Um, and they'll have as many slaves and workers as, as they need to, but only for tasks that, that, that they don't want to do. So collecting that information for them is essential so that when they do have world government and they do have universal religion, it sets up this harmonic convergence that they're looking for, where they can collect what they would call the scattered spark of the divine and either quantum leap or present some sort of technology for people to advance into this godhood that we were talking about earlier. Okay. Wow. That's a lot to uh, think about. It, 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 uh, Gary, we have um, uh, 20 minutes left. And, you know, I did want to uh, – um, you know, uh, this is really fascinating just uh, uh, looking at all, uh, all this uh, conspiracy theory that um, is actually rooted in um, – Biblical prophecy, but um, yeah, you know, I do want to uh, spend so, some of the last part 
uh, of the uh, show discussing uh, hope dur- during uh, this age and you know what people if they uh, go watch the webinar what are some messages that they can uh, you know, take away from uh, the experience of watching it uh, you know you did talk uh, about everything is not in place yet so we do have some some hope that maybe we can thwart their their efforts but uh, what are some other aspects of hope that um we can learn from this all these uh ancient and modern disasters well i think the the main thing to always remember when you're talking about biblical prophecy in the end time is that we know how it ends and out of that is that this whole world that we have today and all of the problems that exist in it today is going to come to an end and you know we're going to have a millennial reign by jesus sitting on the throne for a thousand years and then we're going to have a new heavens and a new earth and a new eternity and that all of the people who have died in christ and uh, believe in christ and all the people that are going to be brought back into the covenant uh with uh, judah and, and israel throughout history and according to romans whoever else um God is going to have move into this uh, new eternity. There's a, there's a happy ending to this, that this, uh, the, the things that we all agree on in this world are, you know, just shouldn't be, those aren't going to be after we get through that. Uh, so there is hope that it's not the end of the world. It's, it's the end of this age and that when we come through it now, I would advise everybody to try and always push back as much as we can to prevent these things from coming to fruition because you don't want to go through this. If we do get into the last seven to 10 years, it's going to be horrific. And it's not anything that anybody should want to go through. But we are told as Christians that whether or not we're in the end time or not, that we should expect to go through tribulation. But This will be tribulation as you get into the last three and a half years, not seen since the beginning, not since the time of Genesis 1, 1 to 2 that I was talking about earlier that we're talking about in this conference where you had the angelic war destroy the whole earth. So we're going to be, I think, ramping up in in an age of propaganda and a sense of a a fever pitch that's driving us to this, that it's going to be hard for people to take a step back and think and critically analyze what's going on, whatever conclusion you come to, it's important for everybody to know a, what they believe and try and understand as best that they can as to what's going on. And that's what this conference is designed to do is to give people who, um, and, and particularly Christians who are very much open to the deceptions that are that are going to be brought on, this is going to give information to people as to this is what was, it's going to be a gain, and this is what you can expect. And that 
you need to understand these things because as Jesus foretold in his signs that even the elect are going to be deceived if that were possible and they will be deceived. And so that the deceptions and the temptations and the propaganda and the brainwashing and the promises are going to be of such an unimaginable magnitude that if you're not armed with the information, you will, you will be deceived. And if you're deceived, you may not wake up in terms of, and in enough time to uh, realize I've made a mistake here. Because once you've taken that mark at the midpoint of the last seven years, you know, it's kind of game over. And, you know, I know in Christianity, the timing of the rapture is um, kind of one of those things that sort of divides a lot of Christians. Um, and, and many are praying that we won't see the last seven years, that as soon as the covenant for the last seven years are signed, is that the rapture is going to happen and, and we're going to be taken away. But if that doesn't happen, I mean, that is going to just crush so many in, in Christianity. And they're going to be de-deifying Jesus with a propaganda assault and false evidence like you've never seen before, and they're going to reduce Paul to a heretic because they have to fold and destroy, destroy Christianity but fold it into this universal religion. So they can't so they're not going to completely destroy it. They're just going to reduce Jesus to deity status. And again, that is going to seem plausible to even Christians and even the Christian leadership that's out there. And it's going to be so deceptive that people are going to mistake Antichrist for the true Messiah. That's the big deception. That's the great delusion. Everything else is part of that delusion. So the hope is, is that we understand the times that we're in. We understand what is supposed to happen, what is ordained to happen, and that we also understand one key factor. And uh, that is that the last seven years that's reserved for the end of this age cannot occur until the restrainer is removed. And so try as the globalists want to, until the restrainer is removed, they can cannot fully succeed to get world government and the universal religion in place. I think there's going to be a few years, maybe up to three years, that we see the universal religion and it's building towards this covenant of ten of this ten nation or ten empires of many nations, you know, groups of nations, blocks of nations coming together to form this uh, ten, ten king empire of the end time. But None of that can happen until uh, God permits it because there's an ordained time for it. And again, as I said, we don't know the exact time, but what we can do is not just roll over. We can push back. And what we can do is, is we can get the message out to people. Here's, here's what's going to happen. Here's how you should push back. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we might have enough time. Uh, do, 
you know, speaking of pushing back, you know, there's that, it's Ephesians 6, 5, where it, it says, slaves be obedient to the men who are called your masters in the world. Uh, okay, like, um, that's kind of hard to go along with that passage, like, in today's world when, you know, we know that a lot of these people are up to no good. Uh, how do we push back and still uh, uh, maintain a, a, a faith, but you know, we're still being you know, actually being disobedient? Uh, that one's kind of a tough passage to uh uh s- synthesize with today's uh, uh s- situations going on with the and rise of the ex- uh, and exposure of the globalists well I, when i say push back i i'm not saying go to war um so let's be clear on that i'm not saying that we should be oh. breaking Laws. I think when I when I'm talking about, and and I'm going to relate this back to Ephesians six five. I think it's the example is is what Jesus did when he was here. Uh, he spoke against what was wrong in the world, um, mm-hmm. but and and again he also advised us to follow the laws of the country, except where it would cause you to uh, sacrifice your faith in Jesus or into God. So there's, there is a fine line, but then we would have, you know, we would be civilly disobedient. We just wouldn't follow that aspect of it. And then what happens will, what happened with us. But in the meantime, um, we can follow the laws and we can push back. We can vote for people who are, are not going to be trying to bring about the globalist agenda uh, we can we can vote for people who aren't trying to invoke in, uh, invoke uh, things like taking our rights away. We're permitted to go out and protest. We're permitted as for as, as long as we will be. We are permitted to go and talk to people and warn people and trying to persuade people. But we need to do it in a way that we role model who we are and not chase people away. If we want people to push back in the right way back is bringing more people into what we believe that's, that says, no, this is, this is the better way as opposed to getting, you know, uh, pushed back as into, as into revolution. So I think we need to push back on the, on the levers within the law. Um, and if we're doing that, I think we're going to be good role models and, and the more people that are that they have to deal with, the more difficult it is. And if you go back to the agenda of what we were talking about from the secret societies and what they've been doing with education and propaganda and media and all the different tactics that they that they use, they've been trying to lead people away from the God of the Bible because they recognize their biggest stumbling block or obstacle to what they're trying to get done are the people loyal to God and Jesus. So if they can reduce those numbers, it makes their job easier. 
And if they can put doubt and put deceptions in place, which they've been preparing people for, it will be easier for them to deceive Christians that the false Messiah is the, is the true Messiah. And that's the great deception. So it's about collecting more people into our belief system and preparing them and educating them so that they're not going to be deceived and that we're doing the actions that we can and we're role modeling it to increase those numbers. That's how we push it back. Okay, great. Great advice. Um, I, 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 Gary, we have, I don't know, seven minutes or so. Uh, uh, we might want to, Give a uh, plug uh, about uh, you know the conference, your book, uh, and, and, uh, websites, uh, all relevant information uh, for, for the listeners. Yeah, I'll start with the uh, the conference. It, it's live streaming starting tomorrow and uh, leading off with uh, Derek uh, Gilbert. And then I come on at 11.30 Central Time. And uh, I have a presentation that's uh, almost three hours. And um, my presentation is designed to be sort of the basis for uh, what all the other speakers are actually talking about. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk people through uh, step-by-step on how you can translate Genesis 1 differently than the standard dogma and the six days of of creation. And I'm going to walk through it step by step, and I'm going to talk about things like tuhu and buhu, which are Hebrew words, and we're going to talk about uh, Psalms 104.30 with the renewal of the earth, and a whole bunch of other scripture that is going to show you that the best time for the angelic rebellion was between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2 when the earth was destroyed and then it was renewed in the six days of creation. And I'm not going to ignore the inconvenient passages. I'm going to get into Exodus 20-11 and show everybody how that actually fits in with Genesis 1 and what we're talking about here. And then I'm going to connect that to the end time. I'll talk about uh, some parallel um, things that come out of uh, some polytheist accounts, and I'll also even connect it back to the dinosaurs. And I think people will find that uh, uh, a very enlightening um, step-by-step approach to uh, how it will help people not to be deceived in the end time in terms of uh, how credible the Bible is. I think they'll find it absolutely valuable for it. And Uh, You can also get a hold of me uh, through my website if you have any questions that you want to ask me or you're looking for some information on uh, certain aspects. There's an email on the website. Along with uh, being on the website, uh, there is a generous excerpt of all 98 chapters, so you can get a good feel for the book. And if you wanted to order a signed copy of the book, you can order it online from uh, Uh, the buy now icon and then buy from author. Uh, You can also link over to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com or amazon.ca or over to the Kindle version uh, if you wanted to order a book through there. And uh, 
You can also follow me on, on Facebook. Uh, I put out your regular prophetic uh, commentaries, giant commentaries, secret society commentaries uh, in on my timeline. And uh, it's an open timeline, so you can ask me a question or get a hold of me there or uh, get a hold of me on Messenger, and I'll get back to you if you have a question or need some information. You can also follow me on Twitter, at GaryWayne63, at GaryWayne63. And uh, if you uh, like what you hear on my presentation, if you go and listen to my live stream, and it's also going to be available on DVD, I have backup documents on that uh, if you want to have that information written down. So just get a hold of me through my website. And that website was www.genesis6conspiracy.com with the number 6conspiracy.com. It helps, I guess, if I actually name the website. And uh, uh, what's the website for the uh, webinar? Um, just uh, Gen Six. Yeah, if you just uh, you know Gen Six live stream uh, on the Google uh, here, I can bring it up here in a second. Uh, Gen 6, and it's spelled out, uh, G-E-N-S-I-X-S-I-X.com. That's G-E-N-S-I-X.com. That'll take you right through to the live stream website. Okay. Well, uh, Gary, you know, I think we only have a minute and a half or so left, and I think we've covered everything uh, that we need to know for uh, tomorrow and uh, best wishes for that uh, a webinar and you know uh, let let's uh, find a time to have you uh, back since you're such a valued guest with us so I just want to thank you very much and uh, we probably uh, wrap up uh, the show and We'll see everyone on Monday, and I just want to thank you again, Gary, for uh, the terrific uh, discussion for the last two hours. Well, thank you for having me and invite me back anytime. It's always a pleasure to work with you, and uh, hopefully we've uh, raised a little bit of curiosity with the audience tonight and uh, maybe provided uh, a few things for people to think about. Yep. I, I think we have. So. Uh, Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Barbara, for producing. And we'll see everyone Monday from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time with a super special guest. So we'll, we'll see you then. Good night.